Welcome back to Inside the Ordinary. I'm sitting here with Devin Farley. Devin and I actually work together at the famous Cruise and Tangos downtown Toronto. And uh, yeah, we, we both work there. I was a bartender. Uh, Devin is and was a performer there. So Devin, if you want to introduce yourself, uh, let us know a little about yourself and uh, we'll get started. Hello everyone, my name is Devin Farley, aka Divine Darling. If you don't know who I am, you can Google me. You can find me on YouTube as Divine Darling, or my Instagram handle is TrustNoBitch0779. Thank you. I've been performing or I've been an entertainer for a little bit over 10 years. I was one of the first Miss Cruz and Tangos. About seven years, seven to eight years ago, I became the first Afro-American Miss Cruz and Tangos. And drag has always been something that I never thought I would find myself doing. But it started out literally moving here to Canada and seeing all of this beauty and glam and saying that, oh my God, I would want to do that someday, but I don't know if it's for me. And it so happened that uh, one of the legendary drag queens, Miss Nicolette Brown, um, saw me and she was like, oh my God, you so have the face for it. I could feel your personality and I feel as though you look good. And I'm like, no, that is not for me. That is definitely not for me. But it so happened that she put me in drag. I love the way I looked and everything and all the compliments. And as anyone would know, it went to your head and you're like, oh my God, I'm gorgeous. And I love all this attention. And 10 years later, here I am. That is amazing. Yeah, the first time I saw you on stage, it was an incredible experience. I think you were the first drag queen that I'd ever seen perform live. And I turned to my mom, because my mom had gotten me the job at Cruise, and I turned to her and I said, who is that? And she explained who you were. She said, that's divine. And she's like the badass performer at Cruise and Tango's. Um, What was it like first starting out in this in this performance world? Um, Starting out drag, to be honest with you, I started at a time before RuPaul's Drag Race and all of that so drag back then was a little bit different from what it is today we didn't have all these instagram queens and all of these different other um look queens and so forth being a drag queen you had to work your way up in order to get where you wanted to be and you literally would have to someday go out in drag and stand at the side of the stage and ask one of the resident queens, hi, can I please do a number while you change? You would literally be there and you'll be like, oh my God, I don't, I don't even just, I just want to be on stage so people can see what I have to offer. It wasn't about the money. It was more of the love for the art form of it back then. That's amazing. And did you have any art background or makeup background before you actually started? I didn't know to do my makeup at all. <laughs> and until this day, I still don't, don't know to do my makeup. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I, my type of drag, I consider it to be more of ratchet couture <laughs> or ghetto glam, ghetto fab. Um, I like to 
I can get all dolled up and look as though I washed with soap, but I prefer to just keep it nitty gritty hood <laughs> because I feel as though like I've branded myself to be that ghetto diva mm-hmm. that I literally can say words that will make people literally laugh their ass asses off or laugh so much that they're like, oh my God, I will remember that. And I remember I have this saying that I'm always like, shit. And it literally have stuck with so many people that literally have come up to me and be like, I was in work today and my boss was like telling me something and I was like, shit. And I would run away. I'm like, mm, yeah, it's catchy. It, it works. You got to trademark that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you're really close to your mom. What was her reaction when you first started performing or your interest in this sort of performance came to be? When, to be honest with you, I come from a Caribbean background. And at first my mom was, my mom said to me, I think you're throwing your life away by doing this. You could be so much more than um, being a man in a dress. You can go for for your education and so forth and i said to her i'm like mom this is something that i love i love entertaining the fun fact that if i can put a smile on someone's face it means that i've done my job you never know what a person may be going through and they come to the show and you make them feel a different way you feel as though like you've given back something to your community you made that person have a better day or a better time for being there and about a year after she came to my first show and she saw it was a pageant miss gay toronto Mm -hmm. and she saw it and she saw how amazing it was and the happiness that i had for it all and she's like you know what you could be in a you could have been in a gang you could have been doing something else you could be behind bars or whatever but you're doing something that you're happy and you're not hurting anyone. And that's all that matters. Your happiness means more to me than anything else. And that is what she's always been one of my biggest supporters. That's amazing. What amazing progression in her in her mentality there. The the type of environment that drag can sort of um can sort of be perceived as, is that all is that all what it's cracked up to be? Like, is is there a lot of drama between the queens? Is there a lot of camaraderie and a lot of uh, just col- collaborativeness? Or is it, would you say, there's a lot of competitiveness to it? I feel as though it's like any other job. You will always have that competitive side. You will always have that feeling as though like you need to do better in order to whatever the case you and it's also like high school you have your cliques you have your popular kids you have your not so popular kids you have the ones that are just going through with emotion it's similar to that it's like you work hard to be popular and you have to work even harder to stay popular so it is a job at the end of the day and a lot of people feel as though Drag is more so just a man in a dress. It's not a real job of what they claim it to be. But you can make drag a profession, a job. You can literally make it a business. As long as you capitalize, you make drag your business. You have whether you're 
websites or whatever the case may be, you market on that. It is a job because at the end of the day, yeah, you could be paying tax writing off it because it's your own personal business. And other people don't get that side of it. They feel as though you're just playing dress up. And I feel as though with the new baby boom of the new drag queens, I feel as though like that's how some of them feel that it's just playing dress up and popularity, the popularity aspect of it and not taking it to be more serious. They're losing the art form of what it actually is. It's a means of entertaining people and just having fun for it. If you don't love it, if you feel as though it's just a dress up, you will never go far in it. With the rise of Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, do you think it's easier now for you to book jobs than it was when you first started? I find we have a lot of corporate um, businesses or a lot of different entities that are now booking a lot of drag queens now to do certain events than they would have before. It has become a broader market that we get a chance to expand on is becoming a little bit more mainstream than it was before. So, yeah, you, there are more um, options out there for you now to do certain things and get your name out there. Social media plays a massive role now in people getting to know exactly who you are. Back then, you would have your business cards and you would walk out to a bar, you give a bar your business card. Now it's like, Oh, let me see how many Instagram followers you have. Da, 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 da. Oh, well, I can book you because you have this much followers and maybe this much people will be there for you. But you still have those people that buy Instagram followers in order to look popular, but it's a business. So if, I, if you have to buy Instagram followers to look popular and people can book you off of that, hey, you may be doing something right. Divine Darlin, where did that name even come from? Uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> I was a part of a group called Divine Intervention, a dance group. And Divine actually is a E added on to my boy name, kind of, Devin Divine. Mm -hmm. And my name was Divine Brown, being Nicolette Brown, being my drag mom. And with it having Divine Brown as a Canadian artist, you guys may know of her. Our name was spelled differently, but we always had a mix-up in terms of when we had an event and she was there and I was also there, which has happened before. <laughs> and so when I was changing over from my getaways <laughs> to more glam ghetto fab ways, <laughs> Misha Ross, another legend in the community, herself and Miss George Girl, they actually give me the last name of Darlin. So I changed my name from Divine Brown to Divine Darlin in order to rebrand myself. That's awesome. Now you mentioned drag mom. What is what is that concept of a drag mom? The concept of a drag mom is someone that steers you in the right direction. They take you, they mold you to be someone that is going down the right path. And it's kind of like that motherly figure that you can turn to if you need any advice or anything, you need someone in your corner to talk to, just someone that is there to assist you and help you out. It's like having a family, your own family within the community. That's great. That sounds amazing, especially for people who would get into this profession and maybe not have that kind of support from their actual family. 
to have that support from, you know, a drag mom or a drag family would be obviously really incredible and really uplifting. It's good to have that support factor or that support background because, um, like I said, it's like high school. There's a lot of clicks and every, you can be eat up and chewed out like that if you don't have a strong backbone. So that's another thing. And having that support system sometimes allows you to have that strong backbone to get where you want to be. Have you ever felt pressure to be something or to live up to some sort of image as a performer? Or did you always feel as though you could be authentic and just yourself? Starting out, I always felt as though I needed to look a certain way, act a certain way, or be a certain way in order to be successful or to be better or to be accepted. And then I realized that, hey, if you're not genuinely yourself, people will see through that and they can tell. And I grasped the concept of, you know what, I'm going to be me and do what I need to do. And yeah, I may have to work on certain things, but at the end of the day, at least I know I'm being true to myself. Yeah. Do you do you always feel as though like you have to be reinventing yourself, like with all these new drag queen performance performers, sorry, that are coming out? Because I know there's been quite a few since I left Cruise. Uh, do you feel as though you've had to always be on your game in terms of what's new and what's what's really on the scene at the time i feel as though you always have to always keep yourself updated with what is new and what is current and so forth because you're only as popular as your fan base and in order for you to build that fan base you have to give your fans and what they want basically you can't just shove certain things down their mouth you have to basically get them to love you for what you're doing yeah, sometimes you have to stay true to yourself and say, I'm just going to do this because this is my lane. This is what I'm going to be doing. But that can bite you in the ass so harshly that it's insane because what they might be looking for, you may not be given, but someone else will be given. And you keep like going down and down and down. So you always have to keep on your game, reinvent yourself, buying new wigs, buying new clothes, giving a different look, come up with a different mix, music, something to keep reinventing yourself over and over and over because people do not want to see the same thing over and over because you become so stagnated and they're like, oh, I, I know this show, this, I've seen this show before, I'm not even about it. Yeah. How, I've always wanted to know this, how do you memorize the words to all of these songs that you guys perform? I see you guys lip sync all the time. That's part of the performance. It's part of the act, which is incredible. How do you even, do you just listen to the song over and over and over again until you get it or? Listen to me, darling. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the last person you should be asking about <laughs> lip syncing to a song. <laughs> Everyone knows that Divine Darling never know the words to her song. But what she gonna do, she gonna give you a damn performance, honey. And that's the key aspect about it. Everyone is like, Divine, I don't know the words to your song. Ten, ten years or more later, I'm still on top of my game. Mm-hmm. Crowns, titles, when it matters, it will be there. She will deliver. <laughs> but I know for some of the girls, them they sit there, they listen to it, they're in the shower, they have it repeat, they're just relaxing, they have it written down, the words and everything. 
that's commitment and that's doing the job and for me yeah if it comes to it i'll do it honey but if i don't know the words of the song there's tricks and trades to everything you gotta do what you gotta do and give them a show if i don't if i see that they're, they're trying to catch on to that i'm gonna drop in the splits <laughs> that is your go-to i always <laughs> i'm gonna drop in the splits or do some hair flips so no one will see anything honey and I guess that has been working for me. So if it's not broken, I ain't going to fix it. <laughs> Do you feel as though Devin and Divine are the same person? Or do you feel like you accentuate Devin a little bit more when you are Divine? Or what? what is it really I've, with the personalities? I feel as though they were, Divine has always been within Devin. Mm-hmm. And... Over the years, the two of them have started to mesh with each other. What you get is what you see. But as Divine, I find I'm a little bit more outspoken and I'm a little bit more, I have more confidence in myself in that way rather than being that shy person. But hey, everyone knows I'm a loud person. Mm-hmm. When I enter a room, everyone needs to know that I'm there. When I'm leaving the room, everyone needs to know I'm leaving the room. And that is just just me i like being that public figure of that presence so people know that my presence is there or felt so basically what you're saying is to be a performer drag queen you need to already have that confidence within you there's no room for shyness uh you can be shy but it's not gonna get you far (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of people say that drag queens are very bitchy and so forth it's not necessarily a matter of being bitchy you can be bitchy but still be respectful Mm -hmm. some people run away with the idea of being bitchy and then they're disrespectful and it's not coming off good and it becomes a bad character you always have to make sure that you know the fine line where to step and where not to step and that's a key important thing of it all. You could be as fabulous of an entertainer, amazing person. But if you have a bad character, it's not going to get you far. It's going to show and it's literally going to hurt you. Yeah, because you have to book shows, right? And you have to book yeah. shows with coordinators. You have to work with other queens. And if you have a sour attitude... It's going to show and people are going to say, I want to work with her. I prefer not to take this gig or you'll find someone else. Because I'm not working with this person. And have you seen that where you've worked with somebody oh. that's a great performer but has a sour attitude? Oh, many times over. Yeah. And sometimes the professionalism has to kick in where you literally are like, you know what? I'm going to do this for this gig. I don't necessarily want to work with this person. But hey, it is what it is. I have to pay my bills. The same way this person has to pay their bills. So let's just get this monkey show on the road and let's just do it. <laughs> monkey show. Who makes your costumes or who puts your looks together? Because I know a lot of queens have designated designers who go and, and, you know, stud and bead every single one of their pieces. Is that something that you do? You know what? I'm, I'm not a seamstress. Yeah. Give me a glue gun. I will glue stuff together and I'll do what I got to do. <laughs> But I normally would get people to make my outfits. A lot of different designers around the city, even a lot of the other queens I've commissioned to do work for me, to build costumes. 
I've had from my drag mom Nicolette make me outfits from when I started out to my current drag mom making a lot of my gowns for my pageant Michelle Ross. I've had like most of my cosplay stuff. I've had my friends done work for me. I've had um, Lillian Mitchell. He does a lot of the girls them cosplay stuff and outfits and costume. Ryan Ashik demand attention. I've had literally my friend Ryan East. Like a lot of people have made stuff for me, Jeffy Beer. Like a lot of queens have made a lot of stuff for me and I'm thankful for it. And then there's still websites that I actually go on and I purchase stuff from and get those shoe wise. I've literally ordered a lot of my shoes online because I have a massive big ass feet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you? ever felt or have you ever experienced rejection where like you're performing and an audience member is just not having it oh and how do you respond story of my life (laughs) you will never be able to please everyone with your performance in the audience sometimes people like another queen over you or so that they're not there for your type of performance or the type of show that you're giving it could be splits and handstands yeah like (laughs) They, you will have someone that is literally just not, they're not your cup of tea. You could have everyone go off for your show and you get off stage and that one person say that one bad thing to you and it could upset your whole night. And you just have to roll with the punches. Sometimes be like, you know what? Bad omen. Move away, back up. <laughs> Devil get behind the, I'm not about you. Just move on. <laughs> and you you have people that will literally stand there watch a show and they have their hands crossed and they're like I'm not about this no not today Satan and I'm like Satan <laughs> I'm like let's just let us not think about this let's just not do it then so you have your days and moments and you just have to like roll with the punches now there and that's a great message by the way because I think a lot of people take rejection really hard but the reality is is that it's part of life not everyone's going to love you not everyone's going to appreciate your artistry and everything that you put into what you're passionate about ultimately you have to be happy within yourself to really go out there put yourself out there and and show everyone who you are yep (laughs) it's pretty much that you have to I always believe that drag can act as an armor for you if you wear it correctly. Hmm. In terms of you putting on that, you putting on drag, it's like you putting on that army vest or that armor for you to go out to battle people. Because people will always have judgments about what they feel drag is or what your drag aesthetic should be like or whatever it should be. Because everyone has an opinion, but it's up to you to actually be able to have that tough skin to roll back with it and say, hey, no, 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 no. This is what you may think. This is your opinion. Yes, you are entitled to your opinion, but I know what has been working for me and I'm not going to fix what is not broken. So at the end of the day, thank you very much for your opinion, but I'm literally grateful to where I am today with what I have you spoke about judgment um I 
I know that there is this misconception out there, really narrow-minded misconception, that anyone that does drag or any man that dresses up as a woman wants to be a woman. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> oh my God. That has come with so many different um, <laughs> regrets and so many different problems whereby you could, it starts off with people feel as like, oh, you're, you're a drag queen. Oh, you want to become a woman. No, it's the farthest thing from anything else. And it's basically a lot of them feel as though like, you, you, just, you just don't know what your gender is or so forth. And I'm like, no. It's performance art. It's an actor. It's like any actor. So you're saying that any of these actors that you see on screen that are playing female or gay characters that are actually gay? No, it's acting. You literally put on, uh, it's a man in a dress that is acting like a woman. Some people may feel as though they're trapped in, uh, uh, in the body, so they want to express their outsides as what the inside is feeling. And that's how they want to be. So some people transition to become a female. Uh, likewise, vice versa, transition to become a male. But at the end of the day, we're men in dresses, basically most of us. And when you get home, it comes off. It is a job. It's not necessarily you want to be like that. And it comes whereby it kind of sometimes may work for you in a relationship or work, does not work for you in a relationship where people will be like, oh, I can't date you because you're a drag queen, or, oh, I like this fe- I like this fetish of you being a drag queen. So but you're I'll not that you. person every you're day. you're not that person every day unless you're transitioning. You literally, it's a job. You go to work, you come home from work, you take your work clothes off. That's, that's an interesting way to put it. I, I was going to ask you about that, actually, just in terms of the impact that it has on, on your relationships if if really it's it's a factor at all where you've maybe dated people where they don't care it's what you do for work or they're maybe a little judgy towards it and the lifestyle that comes with it you know you're out you're out pretty late at night performing um or have you dated people who they're so fixated by it that that's all they see I have had various relationships and most of my exes I've actually met in drag. Oh. I've actually met most of my exes in drag and a lot of them are either fixated on it or they're not necessarily about it. Sometimes you have, I like to call them the star grabbers, the ones that literally date you for your your persona and not necessarily for who you are so they'll date you for divine and not for Devin. And then you have the ones that will date you for Devin and not for divine. So I always put my cards on the table and I say, listen, this is my this is my job. It's not a hobby. And you, sh- you have to like me for who I am, not who you want me to be. And if you can't accept both of them, I'm sorry, but it's not for me. I'm not going to waste my time on it. And I've become that picky person because of being hurt in a lot of relationships where I literally thought that the person actually liked me for me and not for what I can offer them. Yeah. It, it's crazy to me because, like you said, it's a job, it's a performance, and it's something that you do because it feels great and it's your artistic expression. 
and for someone to judge you based on that or only see you for that is just it's mind-boggling to me that those people those people don't deserve you is basically what I'm trying to get at (laughs) and it's what I always (laughs) say to myself too (laughs) now Drag must be very, very costly. Um, I see all your incredible wigs and costumes surrounding us. How, starting out, how did you even afford to be a drag queen? I always believe that you can't, in order for you to make money, you have to put money into something. If you're gonna do it right, do it right. Do not skimp on the edges. You put in the money to make the money. You spend that money, you can see it come back to you. Because why? You're doing something correct. You're doing it right. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to go to the dollar store and get me some makeup and do this. And then through the show, your makeup has sweat off and you're seeing your five o'clock shadow. (laughs) No. Spend that money, get the correct makeup, get the correct stuff, get the proper look. And you'll be fine because why people will be like, oh my God, you're a Glamazon. I'm going to go tip you because you look expensive. You look like an expensive hoe. <laughs> so you literally spend that money in order to make that money. You start out by stuff, but now I'm a, I'm a goddamn hoarder because I don't want to get rid of anything because I like it all. But you have to start off somewhere to get where you need to be. I think, yeah, I think that goes for any business, whether whether it be a performer or... A small business or anything. A, exactly, a gym owner or anything like that. You have to figure out some way to put some money into it in order to get that sort of return. Sacrifices are there to be made for the betterment of yourself and for your business and for your craft. Yeah. You sacrifice certain things in order to get what you need and to when you can without those sacrifices anymore for sure I've recently heard over the last maybe year or so there's been quite a danger uh, aspect a dangerous aspect of being a performer and dressing the, the way you do have you have you really like directly been affected by that? I know you know people who have where there's been some dangerous things going on in the village and you know it it, it could be the simple fact that they don't like a man dressing as a woman um and and people are being hurt by that. Have you ever felt that way where you were ever put in a dangerous position because of the kind of performer that you are? I have always felt as though that I always have to try and be safe in whatever environment I am and assess the danger around me. And there have been situations where I've gone to like an after party or something or gone to a venue that is not necessarily gay friendly to perform at or something of the sort. And yes, I am scared and terrified, but I always believe that people can sense fear. People literally can sense fear. And if they can sense that fear in you, that's what they're at, they attack. It's like vultures. You, you, you smell that blood and you go after it. The predator will go after that blood. So having that self-confidence goes a far away, but self-confidence and stupidity is two different things. 
you have to be always on your alert for a lot of stuff and always be prepared. If you sense danger, you can always say no. Your life is not worth a couple hundred dollars or a few hundred dollars or whatever the case may be. You can always say no and say, you know what, I sadly will decline. I don't feel as though it's a safe environment for me. Because you have translated this this sort of performance into into an expression of art where I've seen living in this area and it, and it's a bit sad, but there are men who will dress as women and prostitute themselves. Mm-hmm. And what what are your thoughts on that? It's like I said, everyone has bills to pay and everyone have their own ways and means of paying a paying their bills and so forth. They they know the risk that they're taking in order for them to do any of these things. And we've had a lot of girls that have lost their lives over these situations or that sense of state, but that's their choice that they've made. And I, my choice is not to be that person because as I said, if I sense that danger, I'm not going to put myself into that position to be in it just for a what if. Definitely. Now, you're not only a performer, you're actually in school right now. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're up to on that side? Um, so I took a little bit of a break from my school in order to work on my performance aspect. And I'm back in school right now for my nursing program. I just finished doing my PSW program, which is personal support worker, which I currently work as during the day. And I'm in my, I want to say second year for my nursing program. And I still have a little bit ways to go, but it's always been a passion of me. Science has always been a passion for me and to basically give back to the community that has given so much to me. I give back to people that have given so much to me or believed in me. Is it a lot to balance? Because being a performer, you work really late hours. How are you balancing school, working as a PSW, and performing? Not having no life. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people tend to ask me, how do I do it? They don't understand how I do it. It's basically like you come home, you de-drag, and I have a lot of friends that do the same thing, that have their day job, and it's early morning jobs, or whatever the case may be. And I guess you have to literally set out a schedule for yourself and know what works for you and what doesn't so on your days that you're off or your down days you literally remove yourself from the world to have that time period for yourself and it's basically like i get up i go i go do my day job i come home i sleep wake up do school work then have to go perform at night get up in the morning go to work get back school same thing routine over and over but same now, shit, different day. Same shit, different day. But <laughs> now it's a little bit much different because I'm in school part-time now, so I'm just basically taking as much rest on my brain that I can in order because you will burn out eventually and you have to take that little time for yourself and your health is the most important thing that matters because if you're unhealthy, ain't no way I'm going to be doing drag or going to school or going to the people work. So I always have to make sure that I keep myself that way and everyone knows I eat very unhealthy because I love my Popeye's chicken Popeyes. <laughs> they should really sponsor you I honestly. know those <laughs> <bits>. <laughs> I found it hard myself 
I mean, I was a little bit younger than you when I first started working at Cruise, and I was in school as well. And I remember how hard it was to work at Cruise. I I definitely got sucked into the lifestyle of working at a bar, and it was really difficult going to school and balancing that sort of lifestyle. How did you? I just feel like. You live such a very zen life in the sense that you go, you know, you go and perform and then you separate yourself. You're you're gone. Was that always the case or do you ever did you ever feel when you first started you got sucked into that lifestyle? You know, you were out late hours and then you would sleep all day and, you know, not maybe be as productive as you wanted to be. I always I always felt as though like as I said, I needed to be a part of the cliques, be a part of the groups, be a part of everything that is going on in order for people to accept me and for me to be that person. And over the years growing and seeing everything that is happening within the community and so forth, I utilize a term that people call ghosting. So if I'm finished, I will be ghosting you and I'll be out of here. And when you call my phone, I'll be like, girl, you didn't see me? I was there. <laughs> no, girl, you weren't. Yeah, girl, I left a long time ago. Yeah. Because I felt as though if I know my body can only last for so long, I'm not going to try and push it. Because I still have other things to do. A lot of my friends, they don't have as much as on my table as I do. So they can party until whenever, wake up until whenever, because for some of them, drag is their only job and for me i have something else that is on my table and on my platter that i have to deal with and until when that is no more i have to be conscious of my choices for sure before we uh we end here do you have any advice for the new queens coming on the scene be yourself. Stay true to yourself. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do certain things because that is only making you feel as though you're back into a closet. They're putting you back into a box. Always remember to be yourself and be true to yourself. Be you. That's the best advice I can give to anyone. Be you. Be true to yourself. And on top of giving advice to new queens out there, what about advice to entrepreneurs? Because you basically are one. You are, you're basically self-employed. Like you have your own brand and you are working basically as your own manager to book shows. Mm-hmm. What would you, what kind of advice would you give to people who want to start their own business or who want to promote themselves as a brand? It's nothing easy. We all start a certain way. But if you have that drive and that passion to do it, start small. Don't try to hang your hat where your hand can reach, as my Caribbean counterparts will say. (laughs) Never feel as though like you need to be a certain way that fast. Work your way up. Start small if you need to. Build it because then you'll see the success as you go along. Build it. Build that brand. You'll see the success. You'll see all the you reap all the benefits that you would have literally worked for. Hmm. 
Well, thank you so much. It's been an ultimate pleasure. I love sitting down and talking to you and seeing you on stage. All of it is just is just incredible to me. Thank you so much, Devin. That was another episode of Inside the Ordinary, and we'll see you for the next one.